Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another <laughs> of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. That's the first. Getting a woo that early, but it is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's why it reads the Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report on your favorite podcast platform and is episode 149 it's almost three years of this podcast having a ridiculous name um a name that i did not choose is that a record like i feel like most people would have changed it up by then but who knows um enough of that and on to this week's amazing guest who you might have seen on the comedy bureau's 100 best things in comedy we were witnessed to in 2022 uh or if you have gone to experimental comedy or clowning all around la you might have also seen her uh please give a warm welcome to reshma meester it's actually reshma reshma i meant to ask (laughs) you before we started i'm so sorry i'll I'll, i'm gonna yeah should, should i just say like like get a clean reshma meister reshma meister right all right reshma meister wow i should keep all this in huh i think that's correct yes yeah reshma meister (laughs) yeah Yeah, are you you're not 100 percent? no that's right (laughs) the vowels they the vowels mess people up because they're both e's that sound different yeah um i'm sorry reshma oh my gosh don't feel bad about it you're reading so many names and <laughs> introducing so many people right it's all good it's reshma I'm a- i've actually lately been dropping my last name and just oh, saying yeah. reshma yeah you yeah i noticed that on some lineups that you are going by a mononym what, yeah yeah do you you want to you want to own the name reshma yeah, I like it uh, in print. It looks really neat when it's just one name. <laughs> yes. And I think because it's a more difficult name, I'd rather just give one name. So there, I think the two names um, mm-hmm. make it difficult for people to remember the pronunciation. Right. Well, I mean, I'm on the side of things where if that's what you want to be, if that's what you want to go by, people should learn. But I do like the I also aesthetic. like this sort of... <laughs> I like this sort of um, divorce from my parents mm. creatively. Got it. Fair. Oh, I'm so on board for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 1000%. Also, like, yeah, it is kind of, a, at least in America, a unique name where, like, you could mm-hmm. own it as opposed to, like, Eliza Schlesinger tries to go by Eliza as, like, just Eliza. Mm-hmm. And it's the could name Eliza. Thornberry. You know, like it's you, it's too common. Eliza, yeah. Like, what if the dude started trying to go by Jeff? Just like his name was that would like, be pretty clean, yeah. Like, let's say He's his name was like Je- yeah. Jeff Smith, but it's like, welcome to the stage, Jeff. I like that actually. <laughs> I think, well, uh, yes, it would be funny to have a non flashy name as your moniker. And that's the only thing yeah. you went by. But I think it would get lost in Google results. Yeah. Reshma. I know Reshma does. There are a lot of Reshmas out there, actually. Are you, but are you the only Reshma doing comedy? That I know of, at least in the area. Okay. <laughs> that area... I bet there's a Reshma out there doing comedy. And if so, we need to collaborate on something. Oh, cool. That I like that that's your attitude instead of like you want to Highlander them or something. Oh no, I would be so stoked. I, um, Jesse Eisenberg wrote a play called The Spoils, and there's mm-hmm. a character in it called Reshma. And uh-huh. I found it at, um, uh, that bookstore in New York, the big one. Um, I found it and I had to buy it because one of the characters' names was Reshma. Mm-hmm. Wow, because it's rare. Mm-hmm. Now, for for someone who's wanting to go by 
a single name. Um, <laughs> that that you know, I would say necessitates sort of a special act, which I believe you have. Um, a special act. <laughs> yeah, special. I mean, like you can't just like. It'd be really weird if you were just doing knock knock jokes, and you just <laughs> you were going by one name. Mm -hmm. Um, how would you, how would how would you describe your comedy to lay people? Well, um, oh wow. Well, I guess it's been changing pretty rapidly recently. Yeah. Um, and For, in an amazing it, way, I might add. Oh, thank you, Jake. Yeah. I think um. I've developed these bits and they've been, they, they, <laughs> I've been giving myself permission to do whatever I feel like doing in the moment. So like, uh, oh my gosh, am I even going to be able to explain this? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> because it's based on how I'm feeling in the moment and what I need to release. Right. So like, um. I've been giving my per myself permission to change what I'm doing based mm -hmm. on how I feel. Even right. if I'm like planning on doing it, like I, I used to feel bad, like, oh, actually, can I use this song instead? But right. lately I've been just asking to like change the tech last minute if possible. And people <laughs> have been really, really nice about it. And um, I don't know if I've answered your question. It's, I mean, uh, well, it's clown influenced. I'll say that. Sure. It's definitely like and, you're playing a character, um, like a version of yourself or a, a, of like myself. Some, yeah, totally. Well, and then I've written a lot of stuff over the years. And sometimes that stuff comes out as well. Right. Right. Well, maybe it'd be better to answer it this way. Like I'm I, I'll talk me through one of the first things I ever saw you do. Well, the literal first thing I saw you do was um, roast Chad Damiani at his birthday roast oh my gosh yeah because you were like i'll like he left an open section and you're like i mean i'll do it yeah. and i was like look at her okay <laughs> and then the next thing i saw you do was at the yard where you dressed up like a big bird and you had i'll never forget this sandals that on the sole the bottom of the shoe was a bottle opener yeah and you were just like, you were pondering life. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember that. And then I played uh, Yellow by Coldplay. Mm -hmm. I think it was about like all my friends left. They all flew <laughs> south for the winter and they forgot me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that bit. Okay, so I that bit stems from. Uh, the first time I ever did stand-up, I was celibate and I was like going through a sober period. Mm -hmm. And I had this joke about, uh, I'm going to break my celibacy with um, a guy who can, uh, the a guy who opens his beer with the bottom of his reef sandal. So <laughs> it was like this very, very specific character that I was imagining that I would break my celibacy with. And then as I got into clowning, I was like, oh, I should be that guy. I should right. like uh, present as him in like these board shorts and what I imagined he would look like because the, the mechanism of the reef sandal was just so funny to me and I can't believe it was a product. Yeah. And like people bought them. <laughs> so I got <laughs> the pair of sandals. And then one day I was like, uh, it needs something else. And then I thought, what if it's a bird? And I liked that bit. And then later, it, after a version after that, it became sort of an older man. And I yeah. believe that was my grandpa coming through. Right. Yeah. So it's like all these bits are sort of evolving based on. Yeah. I think it all comes Some, back I, to you being very present and taking in oh. what comes to you at the time. I don't want to speak for you, but that seems to be like a theme, you know? Yeah. Giving myself permission to pull from stuff that I've created in the past and stuff that's happening in the moment and stuff that I've thought of doing, but haven't done yet. 
right <laughs> so right it's all like layered right i i guess it uh it'd be i mean what's interesting to me so you bring up this idea of permission why do you feel the idea that you need permission mm. to do these characters permission what's to it? do what to do like well i mean what are you asking yourself for permission to do like I mean, besides changing tech last minute or like, I don't think you do any characters that are so um, aggressive towards the audience that, you know, I feel like that's a different conversation that some people who, and some people in clown are like, mm. you got to have a conversation with yourself mm. about boundaries. But yeah, I haven't mm -hmm. seen you do anything that's like particularly upsetting. I think this is a good question. It's it's more of a conversation with myself because I grew up with a lot of shame around being difficult, mm -hmm. being a uh, a burden to people. Mm -hmm. And so clown, I guess, and performing in general has been mm -hmm. my way of freeing up my self-expression and right. I guess less about granting myself permission and more about reducing the feeling of shame mm -hmm. uh, around just changing. I, I'm realizing how much I'm changing and my mood is changing and so many things are passing through me right. that I don't, I don't need to be locked into a character that I planned on doing that night or a script that I wrote out. Um, right. I also grew up in theater, which is very much like, mm -hmm. like the way I was taught was eventually you lock in these choices that you're making on stage right. and to waver from that is to sort of throw off the scene. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I believe that that's becoming an older way of doing theater mm -hmm. or at least doing realism. Right. So uh, I'm breaking out of that mindset. Right. It sounds like you do clowning the way I do stand up, where I never write a set list out. And mm. if there is something interesting that's happening in the room or yeah. leading up to me going on stage. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. That's yeah. something that um, I think Chad taught me was like, uh, when you let go of the plan and you find a laugh to like follow the laugh instead of the plan and you can always come back to the plan. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, so, so, so much cool. of, of live comedy is like that connectivity with the audience. And yeah. if your premeditated plan needs to be diverted from to like maintain that connectivity, I think that's the move. Yeah. And that's what I like about most of my favorite performers is how present they are and how sensitive they are to the audience right and how how closely they listen and like notice things like it's so funny when something happens in the room and then we all acknowledge that it happened including right. the performer who's right running running the room <laughs> right right i think that's one of the i mean actually whatever discipline and comedy you follow or you happen to be going to that night i feel like it's one of the early lessons you learn of like feeling that tension that might be created from mm. something not going as planned and then calling yeah. it out and then everybody laughing because it's a release and they acknowledge yeah. like oh yeah we're all here yeah yeah and we are all experiencing the same reality at least for an hour you know we yeah. might have different perspectives, but we're all, it's such a relief to know that I'm getting the same information as you. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how important that is right now because of this explosion of information. Like, yeah. uh, it feels good to be on the same wavelength as people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that is part of why people pay good money to be in a darkened room in hopefully a properly set up space to watch somebody do something like strange or funny hopefully both you know yeah yeah and to be to, together yeah to have the shared experience yeah i agree
how so you said you come from theater and then you mentioned you did stand up so was the trajectory theater stand up clowning um yeah kind of the well i <laughs> went to school for theater and then we i took a stand-up class which was on zoom because of the right. pandemic right and then before that i had taken a clown class and i really loved it and it it was quite like emotional for me. Right. And I, my goal after I graduated and after uh, bars and clubs were opening back up, my goal was to do stand up in person. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was super terrifying. And I had written a bunch. Right. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, I discovered clown. I took a few clown classes and I realized that clown enhances stand-up if you are to i mean stand-up is really just having the microphone on stage and using it but mm -hmm. you can use that as a clown you can yeah. use that platform <laughs> to do clown yeah absolutely um, you can yeah and i haven't really done traditional stand-up in a while mm -hmm. well i think the the idea well the like the tra the classical idea of stand-up will always exist but yeah um like you said, and I've like voiced this opinion plenty of times, it is just like a mic and a mic stand off in a stool. And then the time- Maybe you a get, carpet. Around. Maybe a carpet. And the time you get on stage is yours to do with what you will. And that can yeah. be just like the other day and then you go into a very conventional bit. Or you could do a bunch of things that are outside of any expectations or any previously conceived sandbox and what stand-up is. Yeah, you can take your time and take your space and do do something that actually serves you as right. well as the audience. I, I think I used to think it's all in service of the audience, right. but I've realized that the more that you enjoy, more the more that I enjoy myself, uh, the more... Um, fruitful the experiences right. sometimes you know i don't know if you felt this way but some performances can be draining and you sure. are left feeling a bit empty mm -hmm. um so i'm i'm sort of chasing that full feeling right <laughs> yeah yeah how so talk me through how you chase that feeling in the in the latest thing i saw you at where you were on a variety show literally called smalls variety show and you mm -hmm. came out as a member of the Navi from the Avatar universe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So I think what I like about that bit is just letting the audience look at me. Oh yeah. And letting letting them have their own opinions about me. I mean Avatar is such a universally known symbol. Mm -hmm. So, and everyone has, they, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are turned on by it. Some people <laughs> are confused by it, you know? Right. So right. like this, the silence at the beginning is just letting them project onto me and sort of have a conversation with themselves. Right. And then I, I like being silent because then I can, listen better <laughs> it's hard to talk and listen at the same time oh, for me sure. yeah and then i build the i like building the tension with the silence and then breaking it with something like i'm thinking of joining the military which i think came up because uh i've been thinking about my dad recently and i think that's why i said i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking about joining the military so that my dad and i can have something in common again Oh, he's a veteran? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know some people <laughs> didn't know that it was based on my life, but it yeah, doesn't really I, matter. Yeah, <laughs> that, that wasn't really communicated through you sort of lunging through the audience and the stage. <laughs> yeah. I it's it's I've never actually talked through the experience of that. And what I'm discovering is there is a lot going on there's oh, like of course a lot going on internally and mm -hmm. within the audience i love it when people are um trying not to laugh <laughs> like sure. 
I feel like I I was making it seem like a very serious moment and people were hesitant to laugh. Right. <laughs> because they, I think you followed like a story, felt- right? Uh, wait, what was that? I think you followed like somebody who was just doing like a story and it like they had a lot of punchlines in it. So it was like a very so ah, like interesting. So like and, and there wasn't any like really weird acts leading up to you. It was a lot of very like mm. there was like conventional music and there was like conventional stand up yeah. and stories. And then like the, the you came along and that was like, OK, there's this music cue that's very dramatic. And then I think you spent like at least three or four minutes just like silent wandering through the stage in the audience. And I believe the theme was work life. Yeah. Oh yeah, the theme was work life. Um, I don't yeah. know how how did that factor in? <laughs> well, I'm thinking about joining the military. Oh yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, te- yeah. technically a job. Sure, sure. Also full time avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I do love it, you, I mean, speaking of acknowledgement, you're like, you fashioned a tail and then that fell off and then you oh totally God. own that. <laughs> yeah, I was workshopping a, a new tail. I normally have jumper cables and mm-hmm. so I'm able to clamp on and connect with people, but I think I left them somewhere, unfortunately. <laughs> so the camel back at least was blue. Right. Yeah, and you didn't have to color it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that bit is still evolving. And I feel, I guess, um, to answer the first part of your question, which is like, how do you chase the fullness? I guess I'm, I like having some sort of structure. So like structure in that bit is the Navi character. A, a character feels like structure to me. And then I can play around within that and... At the, if I were to separate myself from the performance, I'd say it, it looks like me just expressing myself <laughs> and um, conversing with the audience in some way. I, I was on my period, so I felt like talking about that. And that's why right. I was talking about ovulation. And right. I asked that guy in the audience what ovulation was. And his response was, I'm gay, which was a brilliant response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I love that you didn't let you didn't let him off the hook for that. I was like, oh. Well, and then I thought about it on the car ride home and I was like, oh, what if that is what ovulation is? <laughs> I could have, that could have been the correct answer too. Sure, sure. I mean, you're going to have yeah. to do it again. Like just, I, you're going to have to do the bit again and see what responses you feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. How, and so like, what is the time frame in terms of like how long has this journey to like you doing these very wonderfully outlandish bits been? Like how long have you been doing it? Um I'd say I was I was doing traditional stand up at open mics and mm-hmm. trying to generate material for my solo show. Um, which like the first few drafts of that was a lot of writing, right. which I love to do. And I think it was the basis for maybe it was the process I needed to go through to let go of the material sure. and be more in the moment, which is terrifying mm-hmm. because um, somehow I feel responsible for the moment. <laughs> I feel like right. a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but now I'm learning that like, Oh, everyone's in the moment. <laughs> right. Which is obvious. But, um, oh, okay. You asked about the timeline. Um, hmm. well, I, I presented my solo show a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that was one of the first times that I had this like half memorized, half improvised thing mm-hmm. going on. And that was comprised of a bunch of bids. Right. Uh, so I'd say a year, I've been doing this for a year now. Oh, cool. Of just generating and mm-hmm. seeing what happens. And then you, you're doing stand up for how long before that? A year? Uh, I I only did it for like half a summer. I okay. I did it very scarcely. Right. Like once when I was I did it for the first time when I was in my hometown and I was like that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, maybe so during the summertime I did it a few times and then when I came to LA. Yeah. What and then I went through LA? a breakup. Oh. Uh, oh my gosh, LA. I wanted to I wanted to do comedy and I got a job so that felt good. And then I saw Nate and I was like, oh, I have to find Natalie Palomides. Mm. And so I found Clown Zoo. And then I learned that my boss was married to Max. And I was like, whoa, this is like a beautiful web of connection. Oh wow. That is a beautiful web of yeah. connection. And then Max did Clown Zoo, and I was like, wait, these are some amazing performers, and I want to do that. Right. That that is yeah. I I mean, and I you know, I pondered this sometimes. Like what there's not any sort of agreed upon timeline for comedy in general. Uh, however, it totally. seems that with like stand-up, some people feel like, you know you have to at least go through 10 years of it to be like, like evolved in some way. I mean, but that said, Mm -hmm. there are people who like figure out an act and get stuff four years in and they're like legitimately good. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like generally 10 years is sort of like, all right, well, you got to do it for that. And if you don't get really anything along the way, then that's, fine mm. uh i wonder if it's more accelerated for clown i have no idea what okay. i can't really visualize a timeline um and i think we've learned from the pandemic that anything can happen and disrupt your time timeline and or or cause you to shift gears oh yeah so I have no insight on that. <laughs> that's okay. No, I mean, that's part partially like, I mean, you're not alone in that feeling. There are a lot of people who quit stand-up. They were doing great before lockdown um, or people who have recontextualized. You know, I mean, definitely a lot of people challenge this idea that you needed to go up all the time, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I do. I I will say, I do think we're in the midst of a, post-pandemic renaissance Mm -hmm. like there is this boom of live performance and people showing up to watch and participate in live performance and I think Uh, maybe that is this acceleration that you're seeing of like well I I actually don't know what it was like in Los Angeles before the pandemic as I wasn't here right but it feels like a, a real creative boom Oh, I mean, it was happening. It was happening. I mean, I had Carl Tart, who's like a big time improviser and writer and actor. Mm-hmm. And he told me he would be doing like something like maybe eight to like 15 shows, like improv shows a week or something like that. And then, oh, wow. That is yeah. a lot. And then after lockdown ended, he was like, yeah, so I've done like four this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a big contrast. But I remember I ran into you sometime last year as we we seemed to run into each other quite a bit. I uh I know. Yeah, and you were like that you told me what you were doing coming up and you were like on four different shows and you had to do four like it was all different things, which I find crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of variety of shows. Yeah. Sometimes you're playing like a horse woman of the apocalypse. Uh, oh my other- gosh, that was a fantastic show. That was like a puppetry 
puppetry. I was a, <laughs> I held a puppet. Right. Uh, how do you how do you have the or manage the bandwidth for doing all of that? I mean, because I mean, a lot bandwidth, of times. Do you mean energy? Energy, sure. I mean, because it's. I mean, that's even doing one character four times in a week is a lot. Yeah. Um, I've had to say no to a few things, and good for you. I, I, I decided to step away from class. I love classes. But I don't think I could sustain both. It's like um, energetically, I felt <laughs> like conflicted. Right. Um, and I, I do plan on like going back to class eventually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, saying, unfortunately, saying no to things, which is very hard. Right. And then. Yeah, what's cool is like, the performances are quite social, so that fulfills like this social need. Sure. Um, and so on the other half of that, I'd say I must spend a, a lot of time alone in order to recharge. So prioritizing being alone has actually helped me in performance. <laughs> <laughs> Even after all of quarantine. Yep. Yeah. That is good to know. I think great to figure out. I mean, well, that's the thing. Everybody has such their own individual process. um, Yeah. And it's a journey unto itself to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, do you want to do some comedy news? Yeah, what is this comedy news? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll run through these. Um, Starting off, Hassan... Uh, Hassan Minhaj is, it was just announced he's mm. going to host the 2023 Film Independent Spirit Awards, often looked at as the cousin of the Oscars. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I feel like in years previous, everything everywhere all at once would have just been relegated to being nominated mostly for the Spirit Awards. However, really? Yeah, because it's such a non-Oscar Beatty movie. I mean, if you oh. think, yeah, if you think about like what the term Oscar bait means, and yeah. how everything, everywhere, all at once is not Schindler's List or The King's Speech or anything like that, it's uh, kind of mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it, it's like it's like a comedy first and then a bunch of other things and uh usually it's everything everywhere it's, it's every, yes literally and figuratively so yeah i uh that that is exciting but i'm glad that hassan is returning to doing more things that are like stand-up because i mean that's where he came from and I mean, that's how he like rose up to being having his own version of The Daily Show, essentially, mm-hmm. and then being on uh, the morning show as a dramatic actor. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just glad that he'll be telling jokes at an awards show, you know? Yeah. What a what a seamless transition, uh, you literally. <laughs> I I could have not called that out, but um, next news story, King of the Hill, uh, is being revived at Hulu. Uh, the long running oh, wow. Fox Fox animated series is going to be uh, get a whole new season. Um, what's interesting about this, and I'll probably write about this as well. Reboot, which was an original Hulu series, making fun of the fact that networks reboot everything and everything has to be IP, uh, got canceled yesterday. And now they ordered something that is a revival or reboot. 
as and to me that's a clear shot across the bow of like against originality oh wait wait can you explain that one more time i haven't heard this before so there there was a hulu series called reboot that starred rachel bloom and paul reiser and it was making fun of the fact that networks and streaming services put most of their money towards rebooting, reviving something, adapting something from intellectual property. Oh. Uh, and original ideas kind of suffered as a result. But uh, oh, they, okay. Okay. yeah, and they canceled that show and now ordered uh, just a full on revival of a uh, old series that wasn't even theirs oh yeah so yeah it's cruelly ironic i would say i want to finish here bringing it back to you um so how this might be a big big question where where how where and how do you feel you fit in the la comedy scene oh wow um, i think i fit in the clown community i feel really connected to everyone there sure and um at the same time i well i don't know i into the whole scene wow that is a big question yeah i define it however you I guess I would like feel yeah. I'm really grateful for people who book me mm-hmm. and wherever there is like a spot for me on stage, I feel very comfortable feeling that plot. Right. And um, I think I I'm really grateful when I'm in a room of people that I don't know and I get to meet them and see how they do comedy. Mm-hmm. I'd say that I'm still finding out where I fit in. And sure. it's still an exploration at this right. point. Because I'm, I'm still meeting people and learning about new venues. And right. yeah, that's how I'd answer that. Cool. No, I mean, it. the thing is, the exploration never stops if you're doing it correctly in my opinion it's always going to be an exploration i mean there will be as i've seen sort of a temptation as like you possibly get a bunch of success and you and then there's like this comfort in just sort of being static creatively not developing anything new because well you've been commodified a little bit and you're like it, it's safe to be like well people have paid for this in the past, so I'll just keep doing that, right? Yeah. yeah, but then you have to like, well, the if you're if you're wanting to like maintain the artistry of it in comedy, whether whether it's stand up, clowning, characters, sketch, improv, you're gonna have to go back to coming up with stuff that's new, which is always terrifying. But exciting always exciting especially yeah i mean i think you love doing stuff that's new especially because the i think it's another opportunity for you to make a wonderfully colorful costume <laughs> yeah uh, i mean go on everything is um thinking about your question about fitting in again and mm-hmm. it's sort of feels like everything is constantly changing and mm-hmm. so am I. So it's like sometimes there's a pocket of feeling like I fit in and sometimes there is a pocket 
like I'll step into a pocket and feel like I don't fit in or and it's really just discomfort you know and it's something we all experience right and I guess in performance I'm like feeling feeling that a lot now right of uh, even socially when we talk about community right I've been in ensembles and I've had to step away from ensembles. It's all a dance. Right. Well, I mean, that's exactly the point. There is, you know, I feel like now more than ever in comedy, there's like the idea of boxes is fading away. Um, and you're not relegated to just like, I'm an improviser, I'm a stand up, you know, like people do multiple things. Um, and that does make it very fluid. However, I think for your own sake, you have to, there's, you gotta, there's gotta be some anchor point of like, so yeah, where, where do I stand? I, well, all the, all the freedom I'm afforded now creatively. Yeah. What's, what, what's going on? You know? Sorry, you froze. It's Okay. You're not dri you're not driving as we're doing this. What was the last thing you said? You were talking about um I was talking oh, wait, am I frozen now? Wait, are are you frozen? I I can hear you. I can see you. You're no fine. no no, we're good. I okay. hear the flow. Okay, great. Great. No, I was asking, uh, oh, I was commenting that, like, even though there's a lot of creative freedom and a lot of, like, fluidity between doing different types of comedy, you still, I feel like there's an innate desire to, like, figure out where you stand. Hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how I many... Feel uh-huh that's that to that i'd say it feels like the ground is always moving yeah like um and there are moments where it feels stable and then it moves again mm -hmm. that's what i've been feeling right or like i i know i know who i am and i know what i'm doing and i know my style mm -hmm. but then i go ahead and change again Right. And that's exciting too, and uncomfortable. <laughs> right. You chasing discomfort seems to be the theme here. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a explicit, clown brings? Is that explicitly stated Wait, in like clown? Because I feel like a lot of the clowns I know chase that discomfort. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> Some of, I'll say I've I've brought this up with a, a few other clowns in class and it seems to come back come back to this childlike feeling of longing to be seen and then feeling self-conscious and sensitive when everyone is looking at you. Right. So there's a, what do you call that? Uh, well, it's a conflict. It's like mm -hmm. wanting, dying to be seen and then wanting people to not look at you. Right. And also I, I've gone through the process of wanting to control how people look at me. Right. And realizing that you, <laughs> that's exhausting and impossible. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, so letting people uh, project onto me is, I think, part of, or acknowledging that has brought me a lot of peace. Right. I mean, the, yeah, I think there there's this duality between trying to conquer this fear of being seen, but also yeah. embracing that you don't have as much control as you'd like or think you have. You know? Yeah. 
And I think also processing, uh, I, I felt all this pressure to do something worth people's time and right. do something clever, do something funny or um, unique. And right. I think Clown has taught me that you are all of those things all the time. Right. And you don't have to generate as much as you think you do. Right. I wish anybody who, purists, comedy purists, I should say, that deride clowning understood that's what's at a lot of the core of it. And maybe they would have a little more appreciation. Oh, are you frozen now? You said um, purists, they derive a lot of what they do from what? Uh, I was saying, I wish purists understood all the sort of core tenets of clowning that you just mentioned, or like inspiration. And maybe they would have more appreciation for it. I, okay, how do you identify? Are you a stand-up? I'm a, a stand-up, but like, that said, I have done and can do all sorts of comedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I guess I I just, if people want me to do other things, I'll gladly join in. But I people just don't ask. So I also love the, like, the absolute freedom of stand-up where, like, you could just really yeah. do anything. Yeah. You know? I know. I think we're in a time where we're challenging, like, labels and uh, yeah. uh, forms, especially, like... Right. Yeah, with that... A form, with that in mind, you're about to do the tomato show where you will have tomatoes thrown at you. What are you... What's going through your head <laughs> getting ready for that? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Excited. Um, that'll be cool to have like a physical. Um, what should I say? Uh, like something I'm being attacked physically, yeah. and like how I'm going to respond. <laughs> Very literally. In the moment. <laughs> I've been to yeah, both. I'm excited for that. I've been to both editions of the show thus far. It is interesting a lot of, to see how people ad address the obvious sort of like prompt. Um, and a lot of yeah. them either, they they try to come up with some character that goads on this, like, this action of getting tomatoes thrown at them. As in a, a, a very like, like figurative, but literal dealing with like fear. <laughs> like, but it'd be interesting to see anybody try to do things like just do a thing and deal with tomatoes being thrown at them. Yeah, like try and read the newspaper. Yeah, like people will try to be something, do a transgressive character or like play somebody who is clueless or someone who's just like vulnerable and just like going through a, like a cathartic time in their life and they want a release via getting tomatoes thrown at them uh but yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see what you do like why yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see will you be at that one i might be i i try to not plan far in advance because there's always last oh, minute this is stuff right you're yes you're a free spirit you go where the wind takes you <laughs> Or sometimes I'm biking into the wind to go to where I want. This is true. Sometimes you're going against the wind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Reshma, I know our time is uh, up. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, is there anything else you would like to promote? And where can people find you online? Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for having me, Jake. This was a wonderful discussion. I... Uh, it it was nice to like process things a bit. Yeah, um, I feel like we went I'm deep. A, yeah, it is a deep um, <laughs> art form, and yeah. I, sometimes you're like doing it so much you don't analyze it. 
right when you're doing it so it's nice to take a step back and mm -hmm. and talk about it right uh i'm on instagram mm -hmm. at cadet kelly kapoor <laughs> yeah that's, that's my instagram and i'm on tiktok but i uh, under the same name mm -hmm. uh and i'm i think i'm gonna be posting there more mm -hmm. yeah that's me and follow both those accounts to see where Reshma is doing whatever she's doing. Uh, which will it, it'll be something you'll probably never forget. Aww. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jake Kroger. I, of course, of course. I'm Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket. On Twitter at MFJ Kroger. So many great causes to support this time. So please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau so we can stay running. And do you have anything to say as we sign off here? No, thank you. <laughs> That's you're it. you're so welcome. Uh <laughs> live comedy is very much happening. Go out and watch it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Woo! Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.